And so one of the great questions this morning is simply this, what do you want to be remembered for? You know, as we've been going through this series on hiking the steep grade, we've been taking a look at this whole idea of success, or, or and success in God's eyes are, are becoming the person he's called you to be, and not so much the accomplishments, but, but becoming the person he's designed you, made you to be, to accomplish the things that he set forth for you. And so, again, as you look at all the things that you do in life, what do you want to be remembered for? A buddy of mine was at a funeral recently that he did, and uh, it was for one of his friend's spouses, and so afterwards, he was, just saw that his friend needed some care, and so we, they were walking through the cemetery, and they were looking at the different gravestones, and they, they walked for about an hour, and he said, and it was just neat, you know, he said, kind of looking at some of the things that were written on some of the gravestones that had been there for over 100 years, and, and they just talked and, and kind of conversed about different things. And as he was doing that, he was reminded that everybody wants to be remembered for something. It was even part of the conversation he was having with his buddy Everybody wants to be remembered for something. And so what is it that you want to be remembered for? And I share that because in our world today, you can make a name for yourself in a million and one different ways, can't you? You can make it by going to the Guinness Book of World Records. You could swallow the most goldfish, have the longest mustache, the most consecutive sneezes is in there, hold your breath for the longest underwater, have the most pimples. I, I didn't know that was in there, but you could do it. You can make a name for yourself. You could put something on YouTube and become an overnight sensation. You could become like one of those crazy churches that burn Korans, and you can become on the national news, right? You can do all sorts of things today to make a name for yourself. Again, it's easy to make a name for yourself in many ways today, but it's the kind of name that you make that makes the difference. You know, Mike was just telling me before service, he said, you know, I asked the kids one time, would you rather be wealthy or famous? And they said, famous for what? At least they get it, right? The kind of name that you make for yourself today is important. The Bible even goes on to say that having a good reputation is super important. In fact, in 1 Timothy it says this, that one of the qualifications for spiritual leadership is to have a good reputation. Well, that makes sense too, right? If the guy's always lying to you, then he probably shouldn't be in leadership because you're not going to trust anything he says. If the person's cheating on his spouse, you're going to have questions about the kind of things that he says. And it's harder for us to hear those that aren't walking the, walk, walking the talk. And so it's more and so super important to make the right kind of decisions for yourself. In Proverbs 22, verse 1, it says this, A good name is more desirable than great riches. To be esteemed is better than silver or gold. So God goes on to say it's so important, it's even more important than your net worth. It's better to have a good name, a good reputation, than win a million dollars. I know that's pretty countercultural what I'm saying there right now, but, but the reality is the way that God looks at it, it's true. And so this morning I want us to take a look at the scriptures, maybe particularly the book of Proverbs. And I want to see what the Bible says about how do we earn the respect of other people. It's this idea of reputation, the thing that we're remembered for, the becoming that person and becoming known for that person that God wants us to be. As we look at the Proverbs, we see that five times in the book of Proverbs, it tells us if you do certain things, if you have certain characteristics in your life, you'll have the respect of other people. And so what are those characteristics? That's what I want to take a look at this morning. And each of these things that we go through, you'll go, yeah, that's the kind of person I respect. That's maybe the kind of person I want to be. I don't think it's always on our radar, to be honest, as we walk through life. But one of the first things that God gives us is this. The respect is earned through integrity. Proverbs 17, 7, it says, Respected people do not tell lies. Mr. Forbes, who started Forbes magazine, said that integrity is the basis for all true blue success. It is the foundation, the cornerstone, he says. And without it, you don't have genuine success. And so you need integrity. 
That's what God says. And yet I say that in the midst of a, a world today, an America today, that is in a, a crisis of integrity. And it's affecting every area of our nation. In the military, we've got people selling secrets. In, in Wall Street, we've got brokers serving prison terms because of fight, price fixing. In religion, we've got national ministries collapsing due to scandals. We're in trouble. So much so that Time Magazine a few years ago ran this cover article, and it read, Whatever Happened to Ethics? Assaulted by sleaze, the article begins, Scandals and Hypocrisy, America Searches for Its Moral Being, be, Moral Bearings. I think we're still doing that today. But there's a, a crisis of integrity. You know, the more and more our society walks away from God, right, the more and more that we struggle for what is really true. When you have God's word, you know that you're standing on something that is true, but when you leave that, you start making stuff up yourself. And so when you start asking what is truth, or can you define this word that everybody knows what it means, you know that you're in trouble. Proverbs 10.9 says this, The man of integrity walks securely, but he who takes crooked paths will be found out. Let me see if I can give you an illustration that helps bring that to life. You look at all the people running for offices today and the way they just tear apart these people's paths. How they, they get into the most, I don't know, craziest things and they find it out and they publicize it and they make the person look bad. How many of you, because of that, would hesitate to run for office? Don't raise your hand. <laughs> I mean, how many of you would hesitate though, right? How many of you are so squeaky clean that there's nothing that they could put up in the front headlines of a paper? I mean, I know you guys would be great, right? It's, again, always the other services I'm talking about. But the reality is, it puts a whole different perspective on those things. Because immediately, because we have guilt in, in our life, we, we look back to those things that we regret that if anybody ever found out, and we struggle with that. A person with integrity, though, is a person that has no skeletons in their closet, like you guys, right? You can walk with confidence and surety that there's nothing they could put on the headlines that would somehow sabotage your efforts to become the next president or whatever. Proverbs 20, verse 7, it says, It is a wonderful heritage to have an honest father. Think about that. I think one of the greatest gifts that we can give our kids, one of the greatest gifts I can give my children is to be a man of integrity. You know, where my kids can say stuff like this, you know, my dad said it, so it's true, Right? where there's that kind of trust, where it always comes to fruition. And so I want to ask yourself, I want to ask, yourself, ask you to ask yourself different questions as we go through this. How honest of a person are you? Right? I mean, if you want to be respected, it says integrity is such an important part, that honesty is such an important part of that. Do you always tell the truth? How honest are you? I think it's a great question to kind of ponder over. Scripture goes on in Proverbs especially, and it gives us another one. Respect is earned through humility. In Proverbs 29, verse 23, it says this, Arrogance will bring your downfall, but if you are humble, you will be respected. And so arrogance, pride, causes you to fall. Be humble or, you, was it? Be humble or you'll stumble, the Bible says. The Bible says, clothe yourself in humility. Again, it's a style that won't go out of style. Right? The Bible says, God resists the proud, even goes after them, but gives grace to the humble. Before honor is humility. Pride goeth before destruction and a haughty spirit before the Lord. In other words, if you're not humble, God says you will stumble in life. It's even interesting in Scripture all the way through. It could be even a horrible king like King Ahab. I don't know if you remember him. He's in Second Kings if you want to go look at him. Horrible king, one of the worst in Israel. Led them into Baal worship, all sorts of horrible things. His wife Jezebel was a priestess in Baal, and it was just, just evil everywhere. God says, you're so evil, I'm going to destroy you. I'm going to bring you to ruin. And, and, and Ahab, it said, 
humbled his heart before the Lord, put on sackcloth and, and put ashes on his head and, and grieved over the sentence God had given to him. It says God saw his humility, the way he humbled himself before him, even in spite of all evil. God says, I won't bring destruction in your lifetime. All the way through Scripture, God honors the humble. The one that comes to the Lord says, I'm sorry. I did wrong. Will you forgive me? Over and over in Scripture, he honors those that humble themselves before him. Now, if you wonder, do I struggle with arrogance? Do I struggle with pride? Pretend I'm telling you that you're wrong, right? Does that evoke any kind of thing? You're wrong in the way you parent. Does that evoke anything? You're wrong in the way you do business. You're wrong in the way you, you're married or whatever. Pick something that's sensitive to you. And if I come to you and say, you're wrong in this, do you just go, okay, pastor, thank you for that correction? Or do you go, what are you talking about? You know, and we get prideful and we get arrogant. I remember when I was first in ministry, the pastor, senior pastor said, my best characteristic was I, I could accept constructive criticism. <laughs> I didn't like that that was my best characteristic at the time, but apparently it was needed. Um, but anyway, God honors the humble all the way through Scripture. Probably the greatest evidence of this humility is Proverbs 13, verse 18. Anyone who listens to correction is respected. And so let me ask you, how do you do with that when people correct you? Because not all of us are good at constructive criticism, and, and none of us are good at it, at it all the time. So let me ask you, do you listen to correction? How easy is it for you to admit when you're wrong? I remember hearing about a high school principal who had made a major mistake, and everybody in the school knew about it. Um, they just they saw what he had done, and his initial reaction, it said, in the article, was to cover it up. And I think that's our natural side, right? Our natural side is to try to cover our weaknesses so that nobody will know, nobody will find out. Scripture says this, that there is a way that seems right unto man, but in the ends thereof are the ways of death. God's ways are not our ways. Before honor is humility. So the more honest we are about ourselves, Scripture says, the more people will respect us. Let me give you an example of that. So this principal got it on the intercom, and he apologized to every student in the school, and he thought, I'm going to go down in their eyes. I'm going to lose value. I'm going to lose esteem. But contrary to that, because he humbled himself, he became the most popular principal and most respected high school principal in that district. He said for months afterwards, students would come up to him and say, man, I wish I had a dad like you. I, I wish it weren't so hard for my dad to admit when he was wrong. When everybody knows he's wrong in the family, he still won't admit that he's wrong. Thank you for being real. He said that happened over and over and over. Humility raises the value of people, and it raises your value when you're honest. Scripture goes on and gives us another one. Respect is earned through dependability. In other words, we admire people that we can count on, right? In fact, in all of our lives, there's probably this many people or less that we can absolutely count on that can be there for us always. It's hard when it's that few. People who are reliable, who have proven trustworthy, that are consistent, that are faithful. Proverbs 25, 15, it says, Like clouds and wind without rain is a man who boasts of gifts he does not give. <laughs> have you met anybody like that before? I had a friend one time, they well, I ended up married in the friend, or whatever, so she's my wife, but she would go out when we were dating, she was like, oh, I was at the store, I saw this beautiful shirt, I almost got it for you. Well, I was at the car dealership and almost bought you a Porsche, but I didn't, but I thought of you, did I get credit for that? No, I don't get credit for that. Let me read that again. Like clouds and winds without rain is a man who boasts of gifts that he does not give. One of these days, I'm gonna, but they never do it. 
The reality is they are long on promises and short on performance. In fact, to be honest, I think sometimes we're all like this guy, right? We're all these people. I say that personally, just recently, I've been convicted about making promises as a parent to my kids and keeping them. I mean, it's so easy when you're tired or busy or maybe you just want them out of your hair for a second to, to say something, only later you don't have the energy to kind of follow through. And children begin to say, is dad dependable? Is mom reliable? Do they keep their promises? Can they be counted on? In Psalm 15, verse 4 and 5, it says, He who keeps his oath, even when it hurts, or tired, or whatever, will never be shaken. Reliability promotes stability in the family. And if you want to be respected, if you want to have this kind of a reputation of being a counted-on person, then you need integrity and honesty and humility and dependability. They're all part of it. And so the question here is this. Do I keep my promises? Can I be counted on? Does what... I say, does, does my word stand? Another one scripture gives us, respect is earned through generosity. Psalm 112 verse 9, it says, He who gives generously to the needy and shows kindness will be powerful and respected. In other words, no one is ever respected for what they've, been, what they've received, right? They're always respected for what they've given. Nobody is ever respected for what they've inherited. Again, they're always respected for what they've given. An example of that, when Andrew Carnegie died, he was going through his personal effects. They were going through the personal effects in his death, and they, and they found a small piece of paper that he had written on as a young man. It was his life goal. And written in his early 20s, it said, I want to spend the first half of my life accumulating as much money as I can, and I want to spend the second half of my life giving it all away. And it says that he was so motivated and inspired by that goal that during his lifetime, Andrew Carnegie amassed a personal fortune of over $450 million, which was not the most amazing part. The article goes on to say at the time of his death, what was so amazing that he had given almost all of it away. God says, become a generous person and make a name for yourself. He who gives generously to the needy and shows kindness will be powerful and respected. Maybe you can, you can relate to that. Maybe you've received something at a crucial time in your life that was a gift and you were just overwhelmed by the generosity. You still remember the person and you still remember the circumstance. Very seldomly do we blow off the generosity of other people. We're blown away by it. We're impressed by it. We remember. God gives us one more thing. Respect is earned through spirituality. Proverbs 3, verses 4 and 6, it says, If you want favor with both God and man and a reputation for good judgment and common sense, then trust the Lord completely in everything you do. Put God first, and he will direct you and crown your efforts with success. It says if you want to win favor with both God and man, the spirituality brings not only favor with God, but favor with man as well. It gives you a positive reputation. And people are naturally drawn to people who have genuine love for God and put God first in every area of their life. They may not always understand it if they're kind of from the world. They, they may not always agree with it, but they respect that you stand for something, that you believe in something, that you're willing to, to change all these things in your life for. And so I'm not talking about people who fake it. I'm not talking about those who pretend. I'm talking about people that have a real, genuine love for God. And they are respected even by unbelievers. I, let me give you an example of that. It's not by accident that Billy Graham has been one of the most ten admired men in America for the last 50 years. People even like Mother Teresa too when she was alive. Even unbelievers admired her because she always walked the talk no matter how difficult it was. Proverbs 10 verse 7 says, Good people will be remembered as a blessing 
but the wicked will soon be forgotten. So let me just ask you, when you die, what are you going to be remembered for? When you die, what do you want to be remembered for? When you die, what are your kids going to remember most about you? Are your kids going to say, what I remembered most about dad is that he was unpredictable and had a quick temper? What I remember about mom is that she was never around. What I remember about dad is that sports were more important to him than family. Ladies, what are people going to say about you when you die? What I remember is this, that she nagged all the time. Or what I remember most is that she was never content with what we had. She always wanted more. The Bible says that the good people are remembered as a blessing. And wouldn't it be great if when you died, your kids said something like this? One of the greatest blessings in my life is that I had a godly parent, mom or dad. I had a father who was a man of integrity, and when he said it, it was the truth. And he was a man of humility, and he was a man of dependability. If he promised, you could count on it. And he was a man of generosity. He wasn't stingy. He didn't rob God. He didn't rob people. He was always giving. He was a man with the right priorities. He didn't waste time. He had good goals. He was a man of spirituality who put trust in God first in every area of his life. You see, as we wrap up the series, that's the kind of person God wants us to be. That's the kind of dad I want to be. I think my kids need that kind of dad. That's the kind of husband I want to be. I think my wife needs that kind of husband. And that's the kind of child God wants me to be. And it's hard as we talk through these different things. Each one of them, we've seen parts where we do kind of okay and, and some that we do really badly, right? But that's what God continues to call us toward. And, and I'll just share this. In our world today, it's gotten more and more difficult to be this person. But the Bible says, always trust the Lord in every area, and he will direct you. He will crown your efforts with success. In other words, when we focus on Jesus, God says that's when the miracles begin to happen. That's where change begins to kind of come to fruition. And not just change in us, but, but change in the people around us. And I know it's hot for some reason. I don't know why that is, but... I want to kind of conclude with this. I said it's getting harder. We just live in a world today that here's God's truth, right? And we're just kind of purposely walking away from it. There was a Supreme Court decision this week that just kind of gave more evidence of that. And, and while the, the, not necessarily what they voted on was surprising, but what was surprising was the lack of protection they gave the church still to promote the, the truth. There was a, a line in there by Kennedy in the majority opinion that was somewhat encouraging, but, but in the four, um, oh, what do they call it? The four kind of rejections of it or the four opposition statements, um, all the justices warned that in kind of constitutionalizing this idea of homosexuality, it gives the courts and opportunistic lawyers and all those kind of things room to start suing the churches for any kind of thing that disagrees with this. It's just our world is becoming more difficult. And yet, in part of that, there's an excitement that comes along with that. It's exciting to see what God will do in the midst of the adversity. It's exciting to, to see as the, as the world becomes one way and, and, our, and God's truth still stands over here, that it kind of forces a choice sometimes between Christians to choose between the world and God. And, and so it's exciting maybe for the church, and it's exciting to see what God might do in the midst of this, and it's exciting to know that with God there's always hope. But it is getting harder to be a person of truth and a person of integrity. And so my encouragement today is that we pray for each other and that we pray for the church, that God would preserve freedom 
and that God would strengthen us to be truth tellers. Truth in love, right? In the whole area of homosexuality, it's just like living together. It's just like premarital sex. It's all sin before God. They're all destructive to ourselves. It's part of the sexual culture that we've advocated. To share truth in love, but to be truth bearers in this world that has somehow lost its way. And so with that, let's just kind of pray to God as we close, as we close the sermon. God, we love you so much today. And Father, we, we pray that we can become these people that you've called us to be. We know your will for our lives. We, we know, as, even as we heard and we listened to some of these different things in Proverbs, that they're the right things. But we struggle so with them. We struggle so with keeping our promises. We struggle so with, with, with being people of integrity. We struggle in just about every area at times. But more and more, our world needs to know that there's truth, Lord, that there's hope, that there's strength that can be found in you, a peace that can be found in you. They need the answer to so much of what riddles them as they go through life. Father, embolden us here today to be people of truth not just for our kids' sake and not just for our spouses and family's sake, but for the people that walk around us every day, for our culture, for our America. And we pray that today in the name of Jesus and all God's people said, amen. amen.